So let's check in with our guy, Chase Kitty, host of the Lion's Edge podcast. Chase, how surprised are you right now with what uh, Atlanta is doing to Miami? Did you take anything in this game, side totals, props? Uh, I did. I have uh, I have the Heat in a Moneyline parlay with the Pelicans tomorrow night, so I do have a position there that I'm kind of trying to figure out if I want to just let it lie and take the loss or maybe add to it with the 6.5 and, and the plus 200 that you just mentioned. I also yeah. have uh, Bam Adebayo to record a block at minus 155. I don't know how interesting the breakdown on that prop is since the game's already in the second quarter, but I did think it was interesting. He averages 1.8 blocks against the Hawks. He just got it. Now you said it. just got it as you said it. it. That is incredible. Can we, hey, can somebody clip that? Clip that with what Chase is saying it, timestamp together? Because that's incredible. Chase, that was wild. I I was watching it. I just thought it was weird. I thought it was weird that they had the number at 0.5 instead of 1.5, given how effective a, a shot blocker he is against the Hawks. So even though the juice was like minus 155 on it, and you're not getting a great return there, I, I think it speaks to a larger point I, I love to make about value. People forget that value is relative. Like you can have great value on a VIG that's minus 155 if the the you know the building blocks of the fundamentals are right. And I think that was a good case of that. So when you're looking at uh, props for games, can you take me just through the process of, because there's so many props that you can look through. How are you backing into finding value like you did with Bam Adebayo? I think just uh, lead with curiosity, I think is is the starting and ending point. Uh, I, I don't go in looking to do anything most days. And, and I write daily prop content for the, for the BetMGM blog. So I know I'm going in looking for something to recommend, but I, I try to leave all my priors at home. And I just kind of I kind of nose around in the numbers and I look for stuff that stands out. I look for a market that is not caught up with the reality. I'll give you a, a good example from, from later tonight. Um, I'm on Mike Conley over 14 and a half points. And if you look at his season averages, uh, that seems like maybe kind of a reasonable spot. Uh, but when you consider all the Minnesota players that are out, Nas Reed is hurt, Jade McCandles breaks his hand, Rudy Gobert is not playing, uh, a couple other guys like uh, Anthony Towns is, is kind of banged up. We think he's going to play, but he's hurt. It just feels like there's a big offensive vacuum Kyle there. Anderson has and back spasms as well. There you go. So uh, I think Noel is, is hurt too. So like, there's so much stuff going on there. Just that alone is the case for some of that offense has to fall somewhere. Conley's a veteran guy. But you also look, speaking about how, you know, markets can be lagged behind reality. Conley, the last 10 games, is up at like 17 points a game. The props at 14 and a half. It's not juiced at all. So that kind of stuff where uh, you have a, a significant sample size that kind of uh, deviates from where the pro- the actual market is. Like that's, that's kind of where I like to start. And then not being afraid to take big vigs. Uh, even though you know you're getting lesser return if there is fundamental value there relative to something else. Chase, are there any like any of these playing teams that you're hoping match up with certain ones or two seeds that you're looking forward to bet? Like, say the Lakers win. Would you like them against the Grizzlies? Are you hoping that they lose and maybe fall to the eighth seed and play Denver? Did you think that if Miami potentially matched up with Boston that that could be a good matchup? Like, were there any playing teams potentially that you were thinking about betting against some one or two seeds? Yeah, I, I am really interested in the the Lakers Grizzlies thing. I, I don't know that I'm willing to give this my full throated support from a betting standpoint yet. I, I want to do some more work on it, but I think 
uh, from a broader just basketball standpoint, I am really interested in this idea of LeBron and Anthony Davis, mainly LeBron, you know, the the way he runs things, the playoff experience he has, the maturity that he can bring to a court, even with a roster that doesn't necessarily have a lot of playoff experience behind him. I think that contrasts really interestingly against this Grizzlies team that they're really highly spoken of. I think they have been considered a favorite in the West um, for most of the year, the couple of weird weeks with John notwithstanding. Uh, but I, I've always thought, even from before this season, I thought it was interesting how willing people were to talk about Memphis as a title favorite, given that it is, generally speaking, in the NBA, like you need to have a good run before you really get that title win. Like you got to lose a couple times on deep playoff runs often before you win that championship or you make the NBA Finals. And the best the Grizzlies really have as presently constructed is a loss in the second round. So I think the contrast there is pretty stark. And like I said, I don't know how that translates yet to betting. I want to see the numbers and the series prices and everything. But I am really interested in, in that dichotomy. What do you think about the prospect of a New Orleans Pelicans-Denver Nuggets matchup? Uh, Denver's another one where I just like I get that they're the number one seed. I get how awesome Jokic is. I know that when their supporting cast is right, they're really good. the The playoff runs have not been there. Now, obviously, the Pelicans don't have anything to speak of either, really. Uh, and, and certainly, you have to put a lower ceiling on that team without Zion. I'm really not saying anything interesting that you know any NBA observer. Yeah, I don't think Zion's going to play. Yeah, I don't think Zion will play. Right. So it's not even necessarily that this is some super high level of analysis. It's just, like, I don't know. I don't know when you have all of these Western commodities that really don't have much of a playoff resume and then throw the Warriors in there that have the ultimate resume, but just the circumstances there are so weird. Like, you kind of have to pick some teams here at some point in the West that don't necessarily have historical indicators that they're going to be awesome but somebody's got to win that conference. Like that's why I'm coming around to Tristan's Kings. Oh yeah, and the like, Kings. Whoever wins that series is live to win the whole West. I really think that's true. Yeah. yeah. And, and really, just, you think the Kings can win the West? I get it. I, I I get the skepticism, PJ. I I totally understand it. I would have made fun of myself six months ago for suggesting it. But somebody has to win this conference. I'm not a big believer believer in the Warriors somebody weird is going to win this conference and why not the three seed that has one of the best records in the nba that's sitting there like 24 to 1 to win not the, the title so just the west the price is nuts chase don't you just worry it's going to be like what we saw when the astros played the mariners like it's this team that broke a playoff drought they're a great story they're a fun team but then they go up against a battle tested champion like, when you get into the postseason of a sport, it's just a different animal. Like, you really think the Kings mm -hmm. can beat the Warriors? I really don't think they can. I think it's a really interesting matchup because Sacramento, in some ways, does what Golden State has historically done, but they do oh, a yeah. better present version of it. I'm not saying the best of the Warriors is not as good as the best of the Kings because we know that's not true, but the way the Kings do it is like, we're going to put up 135 points of offense. See if you can match us. 
And I think that's a really interesting formula to beat Golden State. Lots of different teams have tried lots of different formulas to beat Golden State, and a whole lot of them haven't worked. And I don't know that – I mean, maybe Houston but with James Harden, maybe maybe they have tried the whole we're going to try to out-sprint you thing, but that was kind of a different formula with the way like Harden and that team were formulated and, and yes. all the iso ball. Think the about Kings that. are not an mm-hmm. iso ball team, so I, I do think it – Top top five team uh, in assists per game, and you're talking about a a guy who knows how the Warriors want to win, and he constructed that team to sort of be the Warriors 2.0. A lot of pre-mo, like a lot of motion, a lot of passing the ball, quick passes, a lot of threes, 135 points per game. PJ, if I can't interest you in a basketball argument, can I at least interest you in a numbers argument? Please that do. the odds the odds on this Kings team I don't you know I haven't really gotten into a lot of the series stuff but the odds in the futures markets on this team do not make sense they did 25 games in they did 40 games in 82 games in it doesn't make sense there's too much value here to ignore it you take it and you start thinking immediately about hedges because you're going to have a lot of options based on where the numbers are I do love me some value Ryan Horvat was uh, was hosting the show last night with Trista, and he said Game One Sacramento money line might be one of his biggest bets of the entire NBA playoffs. When you look at this Game One slate, we already have some lines out: Sacramento minus one fifteen, Golden State minus one hundred five, Cavs five and a half point favorites over the Knicks, Sixers eight and a half over the Nets. I know you love Brooklyn in that one, Trista. Phoenix seven and a half over the Clippers. Any game one lines, Chase, that maybe you've already bet or ones that you're thinking about betting? Uh, I think I'm with Trista on the Brooklyn. Uh, I kind of like Phoenix. I don't know that I agree with Ryan on the on the Kings thing. I actually, yeah, I'm kind of on the other side. Yeah, go ahead. I I just think when you when you bring such a I know I was just talking about the Kings, but I think in a one game scenario, the anxiety, the emotion that's going to be in that building. I just think Golden State knows how to handle that moment better. And even though they haven't really shown us much about how they can win on the road, I do think going into a game like that, they have such a mental advantage and such a understanding and preparation advantage. I would probably like the Warriors there at the 105 and and then maybe think about the Kings in game two. Yeah, I think that actually the Warriors minus 105 money line, they talk about Draymond Green saying... Our whole goal is to break their spirit, kill their confidence, and break their will. I think for me, my biggest bet might be the Warriors to win game one. So it'll be a little yeah, show bet. Yeah, I like bet. that too. A little show yeah. bet. What do you think is the most mispriced first round game one or series price? Um, without really having them in front of Yeah, I think I just got to I got to bail out of that cuz I don't have the numbers in front of me. Yeah. So I, I I don't know how to answer it. So okay, so we look at so we obviously have the Timberwolves plus eight and a half uh tonight. You've got Bulls, Raptors. Raptors we're not really sure what they are, who they are. They're a very up and down team, right? Uh Bulls plus five and a half. Thunder plus five and a half against the Pelicans in New Orleans. Knicks plus five and a half in Cleveland. And uh, Clippers plus seven and a half in Phoenix. To you, what's the line that sticks out? Where you're saying I don't think that the basketball or the math is math. Chicago. Uh, Chicago has the eighth best record in the NBA since March first. Uh, that they have the same record as the Warriors. They have the same record as I think the Suns. Like they've been really good. They've figured some stuff out with that backcourt. 
sort of the, the one, two, three part of the, the starting rotation there. I think they are the better team right now, just straight up. I think Toronto feels listless here coming down the end of the season. It, it feels like big changes are looming in the offseason, and it, it just feels like Chicago has more mojo right now. Uh, so I, I like them plus the five and a half. I like them straight up to win. I think it's uh, – I got it written down here, plus 180 on the money line. Like, I'm just I'm, – I'm, I'm set up on Chicago stock. I like the Pelicans. Uh, I think on just like a pure contrarian value line movement kind of standpoint, I, I kind of would make a case for Minnesota tonight after the three points of line movement. It's still a de facto playoff game. I know it's not technically a playoff game, but it's going to be a playoff environment. I think you can make the case that even a, a depleted Minnesota lineup can keep it within eight and a half and all the market value stuff there. Uh, and, I, and I think the Pelicans are sort of a contrarian favorite tomorrow. So I like those two sides, but it's the Bulls for me that are the, the clear going away. If you can only bet one spot, that's the one I want. I like it. Chase got about a minute left. I hear you got some tennis picks for us in Monte Carlo. What do you like? Yeah, uh, really interesting. I don't know if uh, I could give you the full spiel in 60 seconds, but Djokovic hasn't played in over a month. Uh, lots of hard-court U.S. tournaments that are popular in March, late winter, that kind of thing. We've now switched to clay season. He had passport issues with all the COVID stuff, so he couldn't play in those tournaments. He's playing for the first time in over a month. He's even odds to win the tournament. I think there's a lot of value down the board, you know, taking into account both his rust and the fact that clay, you know, he's still awesome on all every surface, but clay is his weakest surface. I'd be looking at Tsitsipas, 5-1 to one to win, who won this tournament last year in Monte Carlo. Casper Ruud is a great clay player who's there at 11-1. to one. I think he's arguably a better clay player than Djokovic. He got to the finals of the French Open last year. Uh, you can also get Ruud tomorrow to win in straight sets against Bodic van de Jolp. Uh, that's minus 160. Love it. He's Chase Kitty, host of the Lions Edge podcast. Kitty joins Kat. us every week here on BetMGM Tonight. Thanks, Chase. Talk to you again soon. By the way, have a great time. Uh, on your on your honeymoon. Enjoy Hawaii, my friend. Thank you. This is my Aloha. last segment as an unmarried man. Look at Ooh. that. He's going. Yeah. He's getting locked down. He's getting locked down. Locking it down. And he's Appreciate going to guys. Maui, and he's not enjoying the Maui Invitational. Crazy. Look at him go.